ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. It is Thursday, July 22nd. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can always be a part of the program by hitting us up on the White Claw phone lines. We do that at 877-420-TALK. That's 877-420-8255. White Claw Heart Center. It is made here. Coming up today, I've got comments from Marshall Head Coach Charles Huff. We'll get his thoughts as he addressed the media yesterday, Conference USA Media Days for the East going on yesterday, the West today. We'll get Coach Huff's thoughts. Also, uh, we'll hear a little bit from Grant Wells and Brandon Drayton. As I mentioned, your phone calls. You can also find me on social media. It's a great place. If you just want to throw a random question up there, I'll, I'll see it. You can hit me up at Twitter. Real simple, at Paul Swan. Also, we've got a Facebook page for you, The Drive with Paul Swan. We post a lot of things like podcasts. Sometimes we we find out stuff ahead of time. We'll post that kind of information there. But a great way to interact with me, interact with the show. I'm looking forward to seeing you on Twitter and on Facebook. So yesterday we didn't have a show because I had baseball obligations here on the radio station. So I didn't have a show. Things happen when I'm not here. That's just a reality now. So if I don't have a show, something big might happen. And it happens more often than not. Yesterday, the bombshell coming out. A lot of reports indicating that Texas and Oklahoma are reaching out. They want out of the Big 12. They want to get into the SEC. They want to join the Money League. They want to join the elite. They want to be part of the biggest and baddest conference in all of college football, and maybe sometimes, depending on how well Kentucky's doing, college basketball. So the Big 12, not the place for Texas and Oklahoma. So reaching out to the SEC, which would create a 16-team super conference, if that happens, it would already add to what is the most powerful conference in college athletics. So... This could happen sooner than later. There's still some things to be hammered out as far as is Texas A&M throwing the shade out right now that they might not be cool with this. And that's a good point because Texas A&M leaves the Big 12 because that program, that school, that fan base wanted to establish an identity for itself, wanted to get into the Big 12's rival's backyard, basically, and be its own thing. And so Texas A&M joins the SEC. And for a lot of people, that seemed like a natural fit to a degree. To a lot of people, that made more sense because Texas A&M seems to be more compatible with some of the institutions or most of the institutions in the SEC. Big 12, if it loses Texas and Oklahoma, it's the beginning of the end. It's going to be a lesser conference no matter what happens. Because if you start adding teams from the American, it's not going to replace Texas and Oklahoma. There's no replacing Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12. You can't do it. There's no chance of 
seeing a team from another league that is of equal or higher status making the trek to the Big 12. And so, all of a sudden, you're going to see a lesser conference. It's going to be Power 4. Not Power 6, sorry, American, because the American might get cherry-picked. I mean, Houston could go. What about Cincinnati? Cincinnati, which I think would make great sense for West Virginia to see Cincinnati in the Big 12 be a companion to West Virginia. That would make great sense. I think you'd have a lot of interest between those two schools, those two fan bases. I think that could work. That would might be a, a good add. It's not going to replace Texas or Oklahoma, though. It's not going to make that up. That difference can't be overcome. And so this might be the beginning of the end for the Big 12. Would other conferences cherry-pick the top spot, the top teams? Would other conferences say, okay, we want to grab... I mean, does West Virginia try to make a play to get out of that thing at this point? Is West Virginia already on the phone like, look, we want to get out of this. Where would West Virginia go? ACC? Would the ACC take West Virginia? Or would West Virginia soldier on in the Big 12? And those are some questions that might have to be answered once this hits, if this hits. And, of course, again, the big winner is going to be the SEC and this. SEC would become the even more powerful conference, the biggest of the big. It would be almost impossible to beat it. It's going to generate the money. It's going to generate the conversation. It's going to dictate the flow of things. And so you might see then the ACC like, okay, we're going to have to match that. I don't know where the ACC goes to match that. Where does the ACC go? Where can the ACC pull from? Again, that's why I bring West Virginia. If I'm West Virginia... I'm on the phone. Hey, look, we're, we want out of this. If this happens, we want out. Because where's a logical spot for West Virginia and the grand scheme of things? If you see these leagues trying to, okay, we're going to have to up the game here again. You go to the four conferences. So the Big 12 starts to become where the bigger conferences maybe start cherry-picking from. And I see West Virginia having a legitimate case to say, look, we – we might be a good fit for you here in the ACC. The basketball is is excellent. Uh, The football is on its way back. ACC definitely would be a better recruiting ground for West Virginia than the Big 12. And so there are a lot of questions that have to be answered. And then, of course, which teams are going to be cherry-picked from the other conferences to maybe fill the hole in the Big 12 if the Big 12 thinks it can hold its ground, hold the rest. And what happens for Oklahoma State? What does that do for Oklahoma State? And then there's Kansas also. Kansas is a great get. Kansas might not necessarily be your football power, but they're a great get for basketball. They add value. So what does that do? And then what does that do for Baylor? I mean, where does Baylor end up here? Baylor is a program that can get you some national prominence here. What, what happens for them? I mean, where do they go? What do they do? So lots of questions to be asked here. College football landscape is going to be shook up again because it's just been made known, for the most part, whatever happens, Texas and Oklahoma won out of the Big 12 because they want to go where the dollars are. 
And the big winner is Oklahoma. Oklahoma is the big winner as far as these two teams are concerned. The big loser is the Big 12. The big winner is the SEC. Another big loser is Texas. Because Texas can muscle its way through the Big 12. It hasn't resulted in championships anytime soon here in football, but Texas can assert itself. Texas has the Longhorn Network. Texas can can really push its weight around. What happens if Texas just becomes another big school in the SEC? They lose some of that. They would have to be a little bit more of a a good conference mate. They'd have to be a little bit more savvy. They couldn't just blunt force this thing. And as I mentioned, they would definitely have some opposition in Texas A&M. Fair to say, Texas A&M probably going to look at this and say, no, no, we, we came over here for a reason, and we're doing our own thing here, and we love it. We like being the big SEC school in the state of Texas. We like it. And it's starting to pay off, and it's really benefiting Texas A&M. And now we're in this situation where, no, 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 uh, the SEC is going to be bigger. And it wasn't the SEC reaching out to Texas and Oklahoma, according to all the reports. It's Texas and Oklahoma, we're one out. We're done. We don't want to be a part of this. We want to go where the money's better. And the money is going to be better in the SEC, and the SEC will have even more sway. And the Big 12 will start to come apart a little bit more. So many questions that ask so many things uh, that are going to happen here in the next few weeks. Whatever's going to happen, this is going to reverberate for years. So Texas and Oklahoma making news and yesterday shook the world. I mean, yesterday should have been the afterglow of the Bucks winning the NBA in six games, by the way. Let me point this out to you once again. You heard me on the Betfair spots, the fan duel. You heard me on those spots. You heard me say, take the Bucks and six. I was giving you the advice. I was telling you, take the Bucks and six. Bet the Bucks. Take the Bucks and six. You don't want gambling advice from me, right? No, you do, because I will tell you, take the Bucks and six. And I meant that. I put it out there. And guess what? The Bucks and six. I just want to do that little victory lap. But we should have been talking a little bit about that yesterday if we were here. Just the afterglow of that. And then this just comes in and curb stomped that news. Anyone talking about the NBA? I'm talking about it. Anybody else talking about the NBA champ? No. Because Texas and Oklahoma just came in and curb stomped everything in the sports world. Are we talking about the Olympics right now? No. Should we be talking about the Olympics? Maybe. I mean, USA Women's Soccer lost. When's the last time that happened? I don't remember. Are we talking about that? No. We're talking about college football. Football is king. College football might have the most say. And we haven't even got into the NFL news today. We're going to do that later on with you. But when we continue, I want to talk to you about Coach Huff. He was at the Conference USA virtual event. Again, Conference USA, one of those leagues not doing in-person event. So not flying schools out to whatever destination they had in mind, Frisco, at the star. So we got the virtual event. Not the same as an in-live, in-person event. Not that. Of course, from one standpoint, how many, how many national reporters are going to make the trip to Conference USA? 
And if they are making the trip, what is the caliber of that? And I'm not questioning anyone's journalistic integrity or ability. I'm just saying you're not going to get the first stringer, right, for the most part, unless it's a, it's a stop on the way. I'm going to hit here, and then I'm going to hit here. That's a possibility. So at least the virtual event, you you have an opportunity to open the door up a little bit with the interviews. But at the same time, you don't have the in-person event. And if you do a stroll poll with some members of the media, some are going to say that's fine. It works for them as far as the content side is concerned. It works for them. They can, they can make that work. Others, it's, well, how dare they? That's not a good look for the league. And so, for me, opportunity here to, to talk to Coach Huff, same as uh, it would have been if I didn't even have a chance to go. I mean, the league made him available. We get to talk to him. You're going to hear that when we come back from break. Later on as well, Grant Wells, Brandon Drayton will get some of their comments. And the NFL is getting serious about covid at least it sounds like they're getting serious about COVID. I think at the end of the day, they're getting serious about the pocketbook, the money. It's always the money. We'll talk about all of this and more when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Thursday, July 22nd edition. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you being here every single day. Yesterday was East Division media availability for Conference USA, so I had a chance to hop on with a lot of the members of the media covering Conference USA to talk to Coach Huff. And at this point, I don't know what we're going to do when I finally get over there and we do a live in-person presser with Coach Huff. I don't know how different that's going to be, but right now we're still doing the virtual thing, at least in Conference USA's world. We're doing the virtual thing, and that's something that I think that Coach Huff was aware of when he made his opening statement about where we're at and how just how grateful he is that we've gotten back to this point where we're almost at football season once again, and there's been a lot of work that has gone into it and a lot of people making things happen. And here's his opening statement, just to kind of address a a broad range of things, including difficulty, how hard it is to to go through a season with so many unknowns. Um, I know in our challenging times, this is something that um, it's tough to do, um, but I definitely appreciate um, the league, the administration for, for all that they do. I also want to commend um, this league, even though I was not a part of it, but commend this league's administrators and doctors uh, for getting through last year a phenomenal uh, challenge uh, with COVID-19 and being able to um, have a season, um, a modified season of sorts. Um, so a, a huge thank you and show my appreciation to all the doctors and administrators who were involved in that. Um, obviously, we are a week or so away from uh, opening camp. Um, I can't tell you how excited I am. I know that's kind of the, the catch word of, of, of talking days, but um, I, I'm excited about where our players are. I'm excited about the progress they've made since the time I've got here through spring ball and now through the summer. Um, our guys are, are having two-a-day practices on their own now, uh, working out in the morning with our strength coach, Ben Afford, who's doing a phenomenal job of improving um, speed, power, explosion. 
um, and injury prevention, um, and then hitting the field on their own for player-led uh, meetings and workouts um, throughout the entire summer. Um, we're excited. Obviously, um, there's a lot of rat poison out there right now about our team and our players, uh, which is awesome for, for everybody who does not put on a helmet. Um, but for us, it's about focusing on the details. You know, um, over the history here, Marshall has had some very successful seasons. Um, we are trying to close the gap, um, and that gap is not very wide, um, but we are trying to do it by improving on the little things, um, blocking out the noise, not tasting the rat poison, and working every day to be the best versions of ourselves um, on and off the field. Uh, we will have 12 uh, graduates that will be playing next year. Um, had the best um, spring semester GPA-wise that we just came off of. Are off to a phenomenal start in the classroom academically this summer. Um, so there's a lot of positives. Um, but it's ultimately going to come down to consistently executing. Uh, we've got a lot of really good players, um, some phenomenal coaches. Um, and we've got to find a way every single day to close the gap, to take a little step um, closer and closer to consistently executing so that on Saturdays, irregardless of the circumstance, uh, we can have the result that we're looking for. So happy to be here, um, see some familiar faces, uh, see some new faces. Um, so excited to be a part of not only this conference, but um, this university as well. So Coach Huff, setting the table for the way the thing went yesterday, he talked about that rat poison I'm adding that to the lexicon. You got closing the gap. You got trust the process. You got closing the gap. Uh, we're now adding rat poison to the lexicon here. And he talked about rat poison when he was asked a question about his experience at Alabama. How is his experience at a major program like Alabama, where the expectations are high? National championship every year for Alabama. That's the expectation. And with that experience being Alabama, being at a national championship caliber program, you come to Marshall, and there are high expectations for Marshall. And the media comes out with the poll. You see where people are regarding the herd. You see all these things. And he called that rat poison. But he was asked, hey, how do you prepare yourself? How do you... Yeah, how do you use that experience to deal with this kind of expectation here at Marshall? And again, new word to the lexicon, or at least a new phrase to the lexicon, rat poison. Yeah, I learned not to taste the rat poison, which you were throwing out a lot of it right there, which is great for you. Um, it means nothing to me. Um, expectations are a right. Um, you, 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 I mean, excuse me, expectations are a privilege. Um, you know, people expect losers to lose and expect winners to win. Um, so it's a privilege to have those expectations, but it doesn't change the day-to-day -day work that we got to do to get there. I mean, no team is going to come out and say, oh, they picked you guys to win some games, so we're going to, you know, go back in the locker room. Um, you know, so for our players not to taste the rat poison that you're throwing out there is, is one. Um, for you, kind of being our guy, not to throw the rat poison too, um, but really it comes down to how consistently can we execute. Um, and like I say, it's, it's great to have the expectations. I think that speaks to the players that we have and the job they've done and the talent they have in this community, in this program. 
But again, we got to go out every single day with a focus and intensity that our opponents can't match. And we got to execute. Um, that, that's what wins games. Polls don't win games. Um, you know, rankings don't win games. Devontae Smith was not on one Heisman preseason watch list. Not one. And he won the Heisman. And, and what you don't see on the list is every day after practice, the kid caught 100 balls off the jugs machine. What you don't see on the list is the kid was in the office for hours, countless hours, watching the film. So although the lists are great, um, yeah, I want our players to understand that you don't see the work on the list. Um, you don't see your intensity, your focus, your execution on the list. Um, the list is just a list. Um, so we want to make sure that we get our players to focus on the work um, that needs to be done every single day in order for us to be able to be successful. Coach Huff not taking the rat poison. And I gotta be careful, I can't throw a rat poison out. I don't want him calling I don't want him calling me out either for throwing rat poison. He was asked a question about his experience in Alabama and coming from a program like that, what is he bringing over from Alabama to install at Marshall? Well, I think, you know, it's, for us, it's about the process. And the process is, you know, going out every single day and being the best version of yourself to create as much value for you and the team as possible. And I think uh, from the day I've got here, that's the one thing that our players, our staff, our administrators, our program will be able to say that I've been consistent on it is, is, is maximizing your opportunity every single day. Um, irregardless of the circumstance. Nobody really cares how you feel. Um, they care what you do. Um, so we've got to be able, and we have been able um, up until this point, to, to put all the other circumstances aside and work towards a common goal individually and collectively. He was also asked, and you're, you're starting to detect a theme here. It comes from Alabama. That was his last job. Comes from Alabama. He has a pedigree being associated with a Nick Saban and his career, his trajectory to this point. And he can bring a lot to Marshall that hasn't been available to Marshall for a long time. And Marshall is regarded as a team that's pretty good. He talks about closing the gap. He's not saying, look, you guys are terrible. We're restarting. He's like, look, you guys are good. We're going to close the gap, though. We're gonna, there's a gap, and we're going to get you there. And he talks about that. And he's selling that. And one of the questions asked of Coach was the fact that, look, you don't come to a program that's fallen apart. It's been pretty successful. It has some history. It's won games. It was successful for the most part last season before the season kind of fell apart. So how do you take Marshall, and I think this was setting him up perfectly, the question is, how do you take Marshall to the next level? Well, I think it goes back to, you know, standing on our, our core values every single day. You know, we, we've got to find a way to consistently have a positive attitude. We've got to compete in everything we do. Uh, we've got to have an elite work ethic. And ultimately, it's going to come down to we have to be disciplined. And that's what it's going to take in order for us to close that gap. The tough part about, um, you know, kind of closing the gap or getting to that next step is what you did last year, it really doesn't matter. You got to continue, you got to start all over, and you got to do everything you did last year to get to the point to where you were, and then you got to do a little bit more to get over the hump. So, um, yes, we, we, we were 7 and 0 last year. Yes, they did play in the conference championship game, but none of those points carry over. Um, the experiences carry over, and what you learn carry over. 
Um, but we got to start from scratch. And that's an everyday approach of trying to close the gap and trying to be more consistent in all phases of our lives, our program, and, and, and obviously on the football field. As I said, that was a softball thrown out there. Close the gap. It's the big sell of the lexicon he has put together. Rat poison, trust the process, closing the gap. Now, I wanted to know, since he's had a few months now to, to get a handle, get the assessment on what he's got, his program, where he needs to go, what he needs to do to get his program to where he wants it and where he thinks he can take it. He's got a handle on that. You got to know what you're working against, and that's Conference USA. And you got to know what you're working with as well, and that again is Conference USA. I want to get his impressions of the league. You come from the SEC most recently, and you make the move to Conference USA, albeit a head coaching position. I want to take? I want to get his take. What is Conference USA looking like to you? Yeah, I, I think it's a phenomenal league. I mean, there is a lot of really, really good coaches in this league. Um, there's a lot of really, really good players in this league. Um, I, I'm excited for the challenge, um, not only to compete um, on, you know, on the field, but also to compete in recruiting, um, also compete in the facilities race. Um, there's a lot of bright minds. I mean, you, you look at the, the conference and, you know, you've got, you know, an older veteran and, you know, Coach Stocksteel and Coach Holtz, and you've got some younger guys that I've kind of grown up with and Coach Ronnie and Coach Healy, and, you know, you've got – uh, Coach um, Coach Willie there at FAU that's been to some phenomenal places. I think the experience that this conference brings from a coaching standpoint um, is, is, is second to none. And then I think when you really look at the players that are in this league, there are some really good football players in this league. Um, you know, and, and being able to go against them um, week in and week out is going to be great, a great challenge for our players, a great challenge for our program. So he likes Conference USA. He has a good impression. He likes the coaches. Thinks that there's some talent in Conference USA. Of course, we're at a Conference USA event. He's not going to really downplay the conference. But still, it sounds like he genuinely thinks that there's a lot of good things about Conference USA. And you need coaches like that. You need a coach to maybe be the face of this league a little bit. And there's an opening and a potential for Marshall and Coach Huff to possibly be one of those faces of Conference USA. Another question that was asked of Coach Huff, and this is something we've talked about for a while now, the proposed 12-team playoff. It really opens up, I think, the college football landscape a little bit more. Here's an opportunity for Marshall, if can have a successful season, if Marshall, say, goes undefeated, Marshall has some pretty good wins on the resume, Marshall could work and wins a conference championship. Going undefeated, yeah, you're winning the conference championship. But you do that, you could be one of the six teams invited to the college football playoff. And so it's opening it up a little bit more. There's a, a clearer path. It's still going to be a hard journey. But there's, there's a path. It's a clearer path to the national championship or at least get into the playoff and go from there. And Coach Huff was asked about that. He comes from a program like Alabama. Alabama is almost a shoe-in every year. Alabama has done well in the current system. And now this is going to open things up a little bit more. What does Coach Huff think coming from the SEC into Conference USA and now with this 12-team playoff proposal? 
Yeah, I, I think any time that you can give um, student athletes an opportunity to compete at the highest level, um, it's a good thing. Um, but there are consequences to that, and, and you got to weigh the risk and reward. Um, obviously, you're adding more games, so from a health and safety standpoint, um, you're, you're putting the, the players at risk. Um, obviously, you run the risk of demeaning the other bowl games, which I think are extremely important, not only for the student-athlete experience, but for the organizations and the communities where these bowl games are held. Um, so I, I think you've you got to be mindful of, of, of the totality of you know, making this 12-team playoff. Um, I think for the players, uh, for the coaches, for the programs, I think it's great to be able to compete at a high, high level. Um, but I do think there are some risks that we got to be aware of. And, and I think as we grow more into this, I think we'll be able to kind of get a better gauge on how to manage the risk and the, the rewards. I think the rewards are you have a more legitimate national champion. I think the rewards are more programs have a open opportunity to make the playoff. I think the rewards are a more compelling college football postseason. I also think the rewards are you even the playing ground a little bit. It's still going to be slanted towards those major programs. But a little guy can get in, too. You do things right, a little guy, Cinderella can get in. So I think those are some of the rewards. I don't see it as a negative to lose some of the bowl games. And I get it. I understand you're talking about the student-athlete experience. But at the end of the day, I don't think there's much value these days for the bowl games compared to the national championship. And if you have more of a playoff, I think the bowl games lessen in value. You might still have some value in some of the bigger bowls. But I would like to see some of these bowl games contract. I'd like to see some of these bowl games go away. I mean, really, I'm not interested in six and six teams playing in a bowl. I don't have to watch. You're right. I don't have to watch. And sometimes I don't. Sometimes I do. But at the end of the day, I think you put more value. The bowl game is more valued if you don't have as many opportunities. So it means more. That's what I'm looking at. These things should mean more. A bowl game is a reward, sure. But it should mean something. You should have achieved something. Teams with five wins getting into a bowl game because, well, you, you couldn't get someone in automatically or obligation couldn't be honored, so you ran out of teams. And you got you to gotta drop down the teams that have five wins. To, to fit, and it happens. It's rare, but it happens. I would like to see the value in the bowl game increase by lessening the bowl number. Just see it contract a little bit. And at the same time, the playoff is going to do that damage already. It's going to value the playoff more, and it's going to make the bowl system kind of fall a little bit further down in the value. But he's right. Because some years, that might be your only opportunity for postseason. A, a bowl. A little, little bowl. That might be it. Okay, it's going to be an experience for your kids. Didn't have really a good season, didn't have a bad season, didn't have a great season, but you got that experience and you got that opportunity. So 
I see where he's coming from. When we continue, uh, he discusses Brandon Drayton. We'll hear from Brandon Drayton. Also, Coach was asked about Marshall's vaccination rates right now. He will give us an update on that. We'll hear from Grant Wells. Your phone calls at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255 on the White Claw phone lines. Also, you can join me on Twitter, at Paul Swan. More coming up. It's The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Don't worry. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. And what a fun drive it's been today. Welcome back. Pretty busy so far. Getting close to the football season, my favorite time of the year. We've had a chance to hear from Coach Huff and his thoughts on various topics about the team not taking the rat poison, people picking the herd to win the East Division, high expectations here. But what's he think about Brandon Drayton, one of his key players? He had a pretty good take on Brandon as he was asked to kind of give an evaluation of that young man. Yeah, I think two things. I think one, from a character standpoint, you're talking about a phenomenal young man who has been through adversity in his life, has been through adversity in football, and has become better from it. Um, He's one of our leaders. Um, He does a really good job of setting an example of how to play football here at Marshall. Um, And then when you get on the football field, you're looking at a young man who's 6'2 plus, 200 and whatever pounds, runs really, really fast, is physical, um, has got good change of direction, good body balance and control, and he's played a lot of football here. So he understands defenses, not just the defense we're running. He understands defenses. He understands offenses. He understands offensive patterns and what they're trying to do. Um, You know, for us to be able to have a signal caller or a quarterback on the defensive side of the ball really helps the other 10 guys play better because they're more confident in the call, they're more confident in the adjustment um, because of the communication and the experience that they have on the back end. And Brandon is one of the young men who does a really good job of that. So his impressions are pretty good of Brandon Drayton. Speaking of Brandon Drayton, he was asked the question, he was one of the players that were made available he was asked the question about getting ready for the new season. Here's what he had to say. Like a normal, normal year to me, you know, we always got incoming freshmen, you know, you got to uh, kind of bring along, you know what I mean, kind of teach them the ropes. So it's kind of really normal to me. It feels good to be out there, though, uh, you know, having a full season, off season, you know what I mean? So it feels good. He's a man of few words. He was also asked what he needs to do differently this season compared to last year, and just – Years in general where the expectation has been high, again, the rat poison. And what's he got to do differently to get over the hump this year? Uh, what we need to do differently is just, uh, you know, not focus too much on, like, you know, what the media is saying. You know, just focus on us. Uh, come in every week, you know, with a, a hungry mindset, you know, to, you know, execute our, our job on the field. And uh, Coach Huff, when he came in here, you know, uh, having a new coach, coaching staff, really, uh, you know, it's always different, you know, a lot of adjustments, but, I mean, everybody bought in so far, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's looking good, so uh, we just got to keep, keep buying into the uh, system pretty much, yeah. So don't pay attention to guys like me. Don't pay attention to the media. Rat poison there. That's what his take is on getting ready and getting over the hump. Now, Coach Huff was asked about vaccination rates. That's been a, a topic for a lot of programs because – In some places, if you're not ready to go, you might have to forfeit a game. So if your vaccination rates are pretty high, 
more than likely you're going to have enough players to play. You might not have to worry about if an outbreak happens on your team. You have enough players. So Coach Huff was asked about vaccination rates. He didn't give the exact number, but he was confident in what the progress of the herd was. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not privy to give it out, but um, we're, we're doing a really good job with the vaccination. Um, a lot of our players um, have gotten vaccinated. Uh, we did not mandate the vaccine here at Marshall, um, but I mandated education. Um, it really comes down to the player's individual decision. Um, it's not, hey, you have to get it or you, you, have, you don't have to get it. Um, but I did want all of our players to get educated on it. And, and it's really going to come down to two things. Um, one, the risk-reward um, for getting the vaccine, the risk-reward for not getting the vaccine. Obviously, there are risks that come from not getting the vaccine. There are risks that come from getting the vaccine. And then the second side of that is the risk-reward from a team component. Um, you know, obviously, we're trying to get our players to maximize their ability at the highest level, and you are a part of a team, and part of that is being on the team, and how your decision to get the vaccine or not get the vaccine ultimately affects the team. Um, so I'm, I'm really uh, pleased with where we are with, with the guy, the amount of guys that we have had get the vaccine. Um, obviously, it's a continuum. You know, it's something that we got to continue to work on, um, not only with just the vaccine, but with the pandemic um, across our country right now. Um, but we are moving in the right direction. Staying with that topic just for a minute, Grant Wells was asked about handling the pandemic, comparing it to last year, this year. How are things different? How are things the same? Here's his response to that. Yeah, it's going to be huge, you know, um, you know, not having to focus on coronavirus as much as last year. You know, this is really going to be our second year um, dealing with the coronavirus. So we're going to know what to expect. We're going to, you know, keep that high level of, um, you know, seniority on the team, leadership on the team to, um, you know, really focus on not going out of the bubble um, that we're going to set um, because we know that one person can really knock out, you know, 10, 12 people, and we can't really have that. So, um, you know, gaining that knowledge from last year, um, we're going to we're gonna, um, grow on that from this year and, and really focus on, you know, just, just us this year. Grant Wells focusing on the team, and things are a little bit better and a little bit different for him this season. You don't have to worry about, at least in his case, those, those nose tests every few days. Those are not fun, by the way. If you've not experienced those yet, uh, consider yourself lucky. They're not terrible. It's just it's a strange sensation. And with that said, when we come back from break, we're going to wrap it up. We've got a, um, a little rule change of sorts. Well, not really a rule change, but um, the NFL is going to be enforcing things. Um, and you're not going to get any um, you're not going to get a mulligan here if COVID-19 is an issue. We'll talk about that, and we'll wrap it up when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. The NFL coming out and making it known that if a team can't play and the game can't be rescheduled due to a COVID-19 outbreak, it stems from unvaccinated players. The team's going to forfeit that contest, and a loss is going to be added to their record. The opponent will get the win. It won't be a 
forfeit and it's a no contest, it's you get a loss, the other team gets the win. Uh, this coming out today, it's also going to uh, impact the pocketbook as well. Uh, the league is going to make the offending team responsible for financial losses stemming from the canceled contest. And additionally, it will be subject to direct punishment from Commissioner Roger Goodell in addition to the penalties there. So you're going to get a loss. You're going to be financially responsible for the financial losses. Uh, basically, your pocketbook is going to open up to try to minimize the competitive and economic burden on both participating teams. And finally, today, uh, we do not have baseball here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Today is an off day for the Pirates. Back in action tomorrow. Going to be a late one. That's right. We're going to be way into the evening tomorrow. So we'll get you updated on all of that. But uh, it is uh, baseball free today. So don't know what you're going to do with your free time. I hope you can find something fun to do. Of course, don't forget, you can always find me on social media at Paul Swan on Twitter. You can also join me on Facebook, The Drive with Paul Swan. We've got a page. We've got a group. Twitter is a good place, though. You can find me there. You never know what I'm going to come up with. So that's part of the fun. You just don't know until you get there. That's going to do it for this edition. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back tomorrow. We're going to do it all over again with you. We're going to kick your Friday off right here on ESPN, 94.1 and AM 930.